Coffee, Cows, and Crops is produced by the Peace Country Beef and Forage Association and hosted by Extension Coordinator Johanna Murray. On this podcast, we discuss management practices and research results with scientists, ranchers, researchers, and farmers. We strive to share innovative information and farming practices supported by sound science and practical wisdom. So grab a cup of coffee and let's get learning. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm super excited about today's interview because I'm talking to Dr. Jennifer Davies, a pathologist and the director of the Diagnostic Services Unit at the University of Calgary. Uh, Jen, would you mind to share a bit of your background and kind of how you got into pathology? Yeah, I'd love to. So um, I'm a graduate from WCVM, a 2001 graduate from there. And following graduation, I immediately started a combined Master of Veterinary Science and Pathology Residency. I completed that in 2004 and successfully um, received my board certification through the American College of Veterinary Pathologists. Um, I've been working as a veterinary pathologist throughout Western Canada for about 16 years now in a variety of different settings worked in private labs, I've worked in provincial labs, and I've worked for two faculties of veterinary medicine, so in Saskatoon, and now I'm here in Calgary. I've been in Calgary for nine years now, and as you already mentioned, I'm the director of our diagnostic services unit. So I have a big administration role here, um, but I still remain very active in diagnostics, working as a pathologist, and I'm also a senior instructor in our program. And as a result of that, I do a lot of teaching um, for our undergraduates DBM curriculum. And I guess I got into pathology really mostly by accident. Um, When I started vet school, I didn't even know that veterinary pathologists existed. And then lucky for me, I took a summer job in the pathology lab at WCBM between my second and my third year of vet school. Um, And that really opened my eyes um, to this discipline, and I sort of fell in love with it. I had some very important mentors at that time. Um, These were pathologists who'd been working for decades, and they were so excited to come to work because they saw new things every day, and they learned new things, and that really inspired me. I love the variety um, of work that I see. So any day that I'm on diagnostics, I could see anywhere from a hamster to a Holstein coming in and really anything in between. Um, I love the mystery and the problem solving part. I I love figuring out what's causing illness and what's causing disease. And then for me, I love that I give back to society in a lot of ways. So I'm able to help animals Um, I'm able to help owners and producers. I can protect public health and and food safety. And then because I'm in an academic institution, I also get to help train the next generation of veterinarians in the province. That's awesome. I I think it is. (laughs) (laughs) I do really and truly love my job. That's great. Uh, Just before we get too much farther into this, um, can you give me a quick definition of what pathology is? Oh, yes, certainly. This is actually something that's rather hard to define. Um, But the the actual strictest definition of pathology is the study of disease. So when I say we're in the business of studying disease and figuring out uh, illness and why animals die, that's exactly what I mean. (laughs) Gotcha. 
Um, so the pathology lab is is part of the diagnostic services unit, um, and that all falls under the veterinary school at the U of C. Um, can you tell me more about just kind of how the diagnostic services unit works and what it does? Yeah, for sure. So we're a fee-for-service veterinary diagnostic lab um, based at the University of Calgary in the Faculty of Veterinary Medicine. And our services include anatomic pathology, so postmortem examination or examination of tissues from postmortems, um, clinical pathology, and soon to be bacteriology as well. Um, so all of the other tests that we might need in order to confirm a diagnosis, then we just send out to other labs in North America and integrate those results to um, produce a final report um, to veterinarians and producers. Um, we've been operating now for 10 years. And during this time, you know, we definitely have been serving the veterinary community in Alberta, but mainly with the focus to take in cases in order to meet our educational and research mandates at UCBM. Um, we're at an exciting crossroads right now, though, because we have received some additional funding that hopefully is going to allow us to uh, provide livestock diagnostics in Alberta in a more meaningful way. Awesome. And that is kind of part of the reason uh, we're doing this interview today is that you just got that funding to expand your capabilities. Um, so what does that mean for your, your capacity and the services you're able to provide? Yeah, so this is definitely an exciting time for us. So recently, the government of Alberta announced approximately $3.4 million in funding for UCVM's diagnostic services unit. Um, this is actually two grants that we've been given. So about $1.4 million is coming from the province's strategic research and development program. And about $2 million is coming from the Canadian agricultural program. And this money is going to be transformational really for our lab because it's going to allow us to develop livestock diagnostics within the province. There's many pieces to this project. So this is a pilot project that right now will be funded until February, 2024. Um, one of the main components of this project is we are going to be able to build a bacteriology lab on site in our diagnostic services unit. Then we are also going to be able to subsidize our pathology and our bacteriology services um, to producers in the province for eligible livestock species. And that's really going to remove an important financial barrier that producers might face. Another really exciting part of this is that we also have some funding for um, an outbreak investigation unit as well based at UCVM. So at times, if called upon by the referring veterinarian, we may be able to offer some on-site um, on-site services and also help um, supplement the diagnostic services as well. So there's lots of very important features to this, but what it really means is that UCVM and the DSU will be able to provide in-province affordable and rapid testing for producers and veterinarians so that they can make important decisions about how to treat animals and how to prevent disease and hopefully prevent 
other economic losses. And this is a huge step in Alberta because up until this point, um, producers and veterinarians have needed to send samples out of province and that can be associated with increased cost and actually a slower turnaround time on results. Definitely, yeah. So for those of uh, our listeners who haven't had the opportunity to check out a pathology lab in person or maybe don't know a lot about pathology in general, um, can you talk a bit about the function of a lab and uh, the services you provide and just kind of how pathology works in general? Yeah, for sure. So I think that it's probably fair to say that our lab is in the business of disease and figuring out what's causing illness and potentially death of animals within the province. I think what producers and maybe even veterinarians um, are most familiar with is the role that the lab has in determining illness or death, maybe in a single animal or in a group of animals really with the ultimate goal being that we know what the disease is, the veterinarian along with the producer can have discussions then about how to treat that disease and how to prevent disease in the remaining herd. Um, And hopefully again, you know, limit economic losses and protect livelihood of those individuals. And that's a really important function of the lab. I think a function that people are less familiar with though is the role that the lab has in disease surveillance within the province. So this is really our ability to understand what diseases we currently have in the province and where they are and to share that information with stakeholders that need it. Um, I like to think of surveillance as having two parts. There's active or targeted surveillance and then we have what's called scanning or passive surveillance. Um, Active surveillance is really quite focused or targeted. We're looking for specific diseases that we know exist and that we know we might have in the province. Probably the best example of this currently um, during the pandemic is COVID testing within the human population. Um, The problem is, is that we only do our surveillance in a very targeted or focused way. Um, We have potential to miss diseases that we didn't know we had or diseases that we didn't even know existed. Um, So it begs really the question of, well, how do you look for a disease that you don't know you have or you don't even know existed? Um, And this is where that second type of surveillance, that passive or scanning surveillance comes into play. And we achieve that really just by the fact that we're determining why animals are getting sick and why animals are dying in the province. And in the act of doing that, we stumble across diseases that we didn't know about. So either we didn't know existed or we didn't know we had in the province. And that's really important because that's where we detect diseases that might be new and emerging in an area that could have significant negative impacts on human and potentially human health, uh, or sorry, animal and potentially human health depending on what that disease is. And I think that surveillance aspect is probably one of the most important parts of a diagnostic lab. Um, And it's really why I'm so excited that we'll be able to start offering routine livestock diagnostics in a more meaningful way with our expansion. That's really cool. Um, So the UFC has been running for uh, this lab for 10 years, you said, and um, so what are some of the things you've you've seen and you've handled in this lab in that time? Yeah, so we see lots of different things. Um, there's always the old adage, right, that common things happen commonly. 
So, you know, we are like any other veterinary diagnostic lab. Some springtime, we diagnose and recognize the common diseases that cause maybe abortion or fetal loss in cattle or small ruminants and the common infectious agents that cause scours in neonatal calves or diarrhea in neonatal calves. So we see, we see that definitely those routine cases. But in our process of just looking, every once in a while we stumble upon things that are a little bit more interesting. So we've definitely had many examples of finding diseases that are reportable to the provincial government. So salmonellosis um, in a variety of different species, maybe infectious laryngotracheitis in chickens, um, certain intoxications in food animals or in horses, such as lead poisoning or maybe um, poisoning with menensin or ionophores. So we definitely see those toxicities as well. And we've even had a couple cases of rabies come through the lab too. Um, so we have that very important function of identifying diseases that are notifiable and reportable within the province. Um, we, every once in a while though, we also describe something that's brand new and <laughs> that maybe we've never seen before. And a good example of that is a recent case we had of septicemic pastoralosis. It's just a bacterial infection. Um, we saw this in a cow-calf herd, um, but interestingly, that disease had never been reported in domestic cattle in Canada. Um, and in fact, we may have actually identified the first case in North America. And interestingly, that case presented a lot like a very common disease that we have, which is black leg, that we vaccinate for in cattle. Um, and had we not followed that case up kind of to its ultimate conclusion, we might have missed that very interesting presentation of this uh, somewhat novel bacteria for our area. Um, we've also seen some other interesting cases of highly resistant bacterial pathogens that are part of the respiratory disease complex that we see in cattle. Um, and we've identified a cluster of um, severe liver lesions um, and pathology associated with death in horses with a novel bacterial infection as well. So you can see just in our active looking, we come across very interesting cases um, and it expands our knowledge of what's going on with animals in the province. And that really speaks to that passive or scanning surveillance that we just talked about a few minutes ago. Yeah. Um, and I guess going off of that new, uh, those new back novel bacteria and stuff that you found, um, you mentioned like right at the beginning that you've got some funding uh, to put in a bacteriology lab. So how will that kind of affect or improve your diagnostic cap capabilities? And how is a bacteriology lab um, different or the same as a pathology lab? All right. Well, I'll start with maybe the funding for the bacteriology lab first. So this is one of the parts of this expansion that I am most excited about. So up until this point, we have been completely reliant on sending our bacteriology samples out of province. Um, and, you know, this has been working for us fairly well, but it definitely um, results in a longer turnaround time. Um, for the identification because we simply need to ship out of province, right? Um, and also these samples where we're trying to isolate bacteria from them, 
um, they're actually fairly fragile and they can be compromised in shipping as well, which can potentially lead to a negative diagnosis in some cases. Um, with this particular funding, we are buying equipment and in fact, we're buying a state-of-the-art piece of equipment known as a Malditoff MS. Um, and the name isn't so important as what the piece of equipment actually does. And what it does is it allows for the rapid identification of bacteria actually within a few hours. So now instead of us packaging up our samples and shipping them out of province, we're gonna be able to walk our samples down the hallway to our new bacteriology lab. And this is going to allow for very rapid identification of bacteria um, and is going to eliminate that uh, time lag that we see with shipping and eliminate the compromise of the tissue when we have to send them out as well. Other important pieces of equipment in this lab include equipment that will allow us to do um, sensitivity, so antibiotic sensitivity testing on our bacterial isolates. And this is so important because we need to know what antibiotics bacteria are susceptible to, and maybe more importantly, what ones they're resistant to. And our ability then to do the bacterial identification and then to figure out what antibiotics they're uh, sensitive to is important for the veterinarian because it helps them to establish if A, it's actually appropriate to use antibiotics and B, what are the most appropriate antibiotics to be using. And when we do this, this really prevents the misuse and overuse of antibiotics, which we know are contributing factors to the development of antimicrobial resistance or AMR. Definitely. Yeah, so that's sort of um, kind of what we're doing with the bacteriology lab and what this funding allows for. The second part of your question though was how does bacteriology differ from pathology? So I kind of like to think about it as they're just different lab sections with slightly different functions within a larger integrated diagnostic services unit. Um, the bacteriology lab may be the most important difference is that there's a different type of veterinary professional that works in that lab. So this funding has allowed us to hire a new clinical bacteriologist as well um, as a bacteriology technician to support that lab. So that lab will be run by a clinical bacteriologist rather than a pathologist like myself. Right. But I definitely see times when the bacteriologist and the pathologist will be working quite closely together. There will be cases that I see for postmortem examination where I'm concerned that there's a bacterial pathogen a bacterial agent that's causing the illness and disease. And I'm gonna take the appropriate samples from the postmortem, and I'm gonna take them down to the bacteriology lab and work with the bacteriologist to identify what's there so we can give that information to the veterinarian. There's gonna be other instances though when samples completely bypass pathology. And a good example of that is, and go straight to bacteriology. And a good example of that is when we have samples submitted from live animals. So a veterinarian is suspecting um, that there could be a bacteria causing illness and they wanna know what that bacterium is so that they, and what it's antibiotics it's sensitive to so that they can treat. So a good example of that might be maybe a milk sample is submitted from a dairy cow that has an infection of her mammary gland or mastitis. Gotcha. I know, um... 
we have talked a little bit in the past, even here at PCBFA, about uh, the importance of knowing what you've got in your herd before you just treat it and consulting with your vet and now possibly being able to submit samples and identifying what you have before you start treating so that what you buy to treat actually does its job. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you really need to know what you're dealing with so that you can treat it appropriately. For sure. So once you've identified that you have a, a problem in your herd, what's, what's uh, the process once that sample gets to the lab or the animal gets to the lab for autopsy? Um, what happens so that you can diagnose that disease? I think that the path that a sample takes in the lab probably is dependent on a number of different factors. So what type of sample it is um, and what people are ultimately looking for. But if we take sort of the submission of a whole body for a post-mortem examination, uh, people might also know this by the term autopsy from human medicine or necropsy from veterinary medicine. These are all terms that are synonymous. Um, the typical workflow for that is that the body would be received by the lab. Um, if the body comes in fresh, so not frozen, um, then the pathologist will do the postmortem examination of that body the same day. And they will issue a report out to the veterinarian, a written report and potentially a phone call as well, just letting the referring veterinarian know what they think is going on at that point. So it's really a tentative diagnosis. Every once in a while, the process stops right there because the cause of death is so obvious that we don't need to work it up any further. Um, a good example of that maybe in our smaller animals might be, you know, a hit by car or something like that, where we can see obviously what the cause of death is and we don't need to investigate any further. Um, more often than not, though, um, pathologists need to look at tissues under the microscope in order to confirm their diagnosis partly because we just want to be sure. Um, but some diseases actually don't cause changes in a body that you can see with your naked eye. You can only find that diagnosis under the microscope. It takes a little bit of time, though, to make the glass slides that we look at under the microscope. The tissues have to be processed for about another 48 hours before the glass slides reach the pathologist. So there's a little bit of a lag time there. Usually by the time we're looking at things under the microscope, we have a pretty good idea of what's going on and we'll talk to their veterinarian again at that time. But every once in a while, we'll need to still do some additional testing just to confirm our diagnosis. So a good example is let's say I did a post-mortem on an animal um, and you know, I was fairly sure that I was looking at a case of lead poisoning, the changes that I saw on gross pathology. So when I did the postmortem um, were typical, the changes that I saw under the microscope were typical. And I think this is lead poisoning, but in order to be certain about that, I'm gonna have to show that there's too much lead within the liver of that animal. So I'll need to send the liver of that animal out for lead testing. And that can take a little bit of more time. So ultimately, our goal is um, to stay in very close communication with the veterinarian and the producer so that they know where we are in the diagnostic process. But it can take anywhere up to five to 10 business days to get that 
fully um, integrated final report. Right. So can you walk me through how people submit a sample and just the accessibility in general for uh, ranchers and how they might be able to get at, at those services? Yeah, for sure. So I think what's important for everybody to know is that you can send a sample, um, but through your referring veterinarian. So we take samples from all species of animals across the province. And right now, ranchers, um, with the expansion of our services and additional funding from the province, will be able to get those services at a reduced cost through the subsidization program. Um, but we don't accept directly from producers. So the first step a rancher should uh, take is to phone their local veterinarian. If their veterinary clinic um, is unfamiliar with our services and, and hasn't used us before, you know, please just have them give us a call. We are here to help. We want to hear from your clinics and we will walk them through the process of how to submit to us. Um, with every submission that we receive, um, we need uh, one of our submission forms uh, filled out completely um, and hopefully accurately as well. And I always tell my students, um, but I also tell veterinarians and producers that one of the most impactful steps they can have in this process is to fill out that submission form completely and accurately, um, because that submission form really is the link um, for the pathologist to the case. And that information helps the pathologist to frame the case. It can direct where we look um, in the body as well. So there's a lot of important information um, that we gain from it in order to make um, a correct diagnosis as quickly as possible. Um, I think the other general rule for pathology um, for when ranchers should be contacting their veterinarian is that for postmortem situations, we really want to examine the body as quickly as possible after death. As soon as an animal dies, the tissues start to degrade and they can degrade quite rapidly and a, diagno a diagnosis can be lost. So I really encourage people to get on the phone sooner rather than later. <laughs> um, and then other you know, potential uh, things to consider are that when picking um, animals that you want to submit for pathology, it's best to pick those that are representative of what's going on in the herd in general. Um, to pick animals that are earlier in their course of disease rather than more uh, in the more chronic or late stages of disease. And to also pick animals that are untreated. This is particularly important if you're trying to find a bacterial pathogen. Um, if you've already treated with antibiotics, that can actually confound our ability to culture the organism and we can get a negative result there. Um, so anybody in the province, all livestock, all eligible livestock within the province can be submitted and will receive the subsidization. What I recognize is that not everybody listening to this today might be right next door to Calgary and it might not be so easy to get a whole body to us. So what I would say to the producers is remember that in our training, all veterinarians are trained to do a postmortem examination in the field required. Um, so certainly phone your veterinarian 
and they may be able to help you with that service and then simply send tissues into the lab for the ultimate diagnosis. If your veterinarian is feeling uncomfortable or unsure about the sampling, again, just remember the lab is always here to help. And our pathologists are happy to take a phone call any day of the week and to answer those questions that the veterinarian might have and to really guide them in their sampling process. Yeah, that's great. That's very good. Um, are there any other resources you'd like to uh, mention before we sign off? I think. <laughs> Yeah, so I think that probably most of the information um, that we've discussed today is available on our website. So just check out the Diagnostic Services Unit at the UCVM. Um, our contact information, of course, is there too. And, you know, whenever you have questions, um, please, you know, get in touch with your veterinarian first and then have your veterinarian contact the lab and we are happy to assist in any way. Um, other important pieces of information that you'll find on our website is a brief introduction um, and an outline to our expanded livestock services that we're offering, along with um, some answers to some frequently asked questions. Awesome. Oh, I think I know what I should ask is um, eligible livestock. Uh, do you want to expand on what types of animals qualify? Yes, thank you for asking that question. So um, eligible uh, livestock species under this current grant include cattle, small ruminants, swine, alternative livestock such as bison, elk, and deer, and then poultry, poultry that is both, you know, the small non-quota backyard flocks, and then the larger commercial quota flocks as well. So your, your classic livestock, really. Exactly, yes. Cool. Yeah, if anybody has questions, uh, I will be dropping all of those links in the description of the podcast so you can uh, check out the U of C's um, diagnostic services page and all of that good stuff. And if you've got questions, feel free to contact PCBFA or give the University of Calgary a call and... Other than that, I think uh, we will sign off. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Jen, for doing this. This was really neat. Well, thank you very much for having me this morning. I'm always excited to talk about the really important work that our unit does. And I'm very excited to get the word out there about our recent partnership with the government of Alberta and our expanded ability to help support producers and veterinarians in the province. All right. With that, uh, to all of the listeners, have a great day and we'll talk to you next time. Peace Country Beef and Forage Association is a research and extension group based out of Fairview, Alberta. Our mission is to help producers thrive in an agricultural system that is profitable, regenerative, and attractive to future generations. To learn more about what we do and see the results of our research trials or our archive of newsletters and fact sheets, check out our website at peacecountrybeef.ca. Want to get in touch? Have a burning question or a topic suggestion? Send us a message on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Thanks for listening!